But God damn it, I love that movie so much. I've seen better. <sighs> what we do in life echoes in eternity. Oh, I already forgot the movie. <laughs> oh, I love, I love Gladiator. I saw it in theater and I was like, they didn't, they didn't have cameras in ancient Rome. <laughs> this movie's fake. <laughs> oh, didn't have crazy Australians <laughs> fighting around the world yeah. in Rome. Yeah, it was bullshit. And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular Yeah. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, hey. I need to say something better. Stuck him up. I haven't said that in a while, so. <laughs> Big Gal <laughs> says that. Stuck him up. He does? Yeah. Big Gal. Oh. <laughs> when he's singing seen... his song in uh, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time either. I need to rewatch that. That's all right. I don't think he'll get mad. He's a happy-go-lucky sort. <laughs> he is pretty great. Uh, hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. No complaints. Mm, uh, my so, eyes are itching because of my allergies, and it's really annoying, but that's the only complaint that I have right now. Yeah, you have to pee on it. See? Yeah, I can't aim that high. <laughs> <laughs> well, just pee into a shot glass and... And then put it on your face and then tilt your head back. Uh, I just, I just, I literally just did the motion for it as I was saying that. That's like those people that are at the drive-thru and they're just like shaking their head when someone asks them a question through the talking box. It's terrible. <laughs> what would you hey. say? I don't eat fat, fast, uh, fat food, fast food that often, but I do like it. Um, what would you say is your go-to fast food choice? Uh, Del Taco. But Ooh. I get like the Beyond tacos oh, or yeah, like that's a right. Beyond Cali burrito or like a Beyond eight layer burrito. And then <laughs> you're going <laughs> really beyond. far, man, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> you better believe it, Buster. Uh, I like I like taco time. It's a it's a Pacific. Northwest I know what it thing, is. It so. sucks. It's the worst. My first day in the Pacific Northwest, I went to Taco Time, and it sucks. <laughs> mm, I beg to differ. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you sheltered fools. Don't know. They don't have meat substitutes, so I just get beans, which I enjoy. So There you go. But otherwise, um, have you been watching anything recently? I have. I watched, uh, what did I say? Oh, uh, Midnight Special with Michael Shannon and... Um, Joel Edgerton and Kirsten Dunst is uh, is a good movie. And you know, Joel Edgerton, I'm just gonna throw this out there. That guy could totally be fucking Batman. He's so cool, and he's such a badass. I I would like to see him be Batman. <laughs> throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, I um I agree. I I really like Joel Edgerton a lot. As much as I hated it, comes at night. Um, that movie was awful. He, he did a really good job in it, and I I really enjoyed it. And it, and as much as I did not like Bright, that movie on Netflix, he actually did a really good job, even though he's behind <laughs> prosthetics. <laughs> I don't like any of the movies you know, but you're a freaking guy. <laughs> I like I like Warrior a lot. Yeah, that's a good Warrior's one. Warrior's great. 
And then uh, I, I don't love know. You, Tommy. I know. Oh. Where's Pop? Where's Pop? Yeah. Um, so I watched uh, Lethal Weapon. It was uh, 33. It's a 33 year old movie because it came out the year I was born. And then. Uh, <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> they're out it. Just constant, like There's like this saxophone that's just off screen every time they're driving yeah. through an alley. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, whoa. Hey, say what you want about that, though. It's a, it's a pretty iconic score. And it, um, it definitely. <laughs> so, Sorry. Eric Clapton uh, collaborated as a composer for that, and it's definitely it definitely fits the L.A. kind of mood. Clapton, more like Saxton, am I right? <laughs> Anyways, so I, <laughs> I, I, I like I, it when Murtaugh's getting beat up and he's like, "Go spit." <laughs> <laughs> That's like '80s for pound sand, man. Don't I know. throw rocks. I'm not talking to you. Shit. <laughs> go go uh, spit. And I watched uh, McHale's Navy with Tom. Oh Arnold. shit! Have yeah, you seen yeah. that? Yeah, a long time ago. So I remembered it when I was a kid because I used to watch it on Stars. I remembered it being amazing. Uh, it's uh, not so good now. <laughs> it was not funny. It was ridiculous. Uh, the only really good thing is Tim Curry is in it, and he plays the second uh, second most dangerous terrorist in all of the the world, and they. Everybody keeps reminding him of it, and he gets very angry. He does this weird eye roll back thing, and it's pretty funny. So, mm. but uh, otherwise, yeah, I can't recommend McKeel's Navy. Lethal Weapon oh. is a classic, though, for sure. So. Too bad um, Mel Gibson just kind of went off the rails and was like, he's a racist, and he wants to murder his girlfriend and bury her in the rose garden. <laughs> he, went, yeah. he went, he went crazy. Yeah, it's almost it's like he. To, uh, he really was Riggs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always sh- slamming his shoulder into a wall to put his arm back in a socket and shit. <laughs> I did like that. And that was the second movie, right? Yeah. Dip- yeah Diplomatic yeah. community. <laughs> it's just been revoked. <laughs> <laughs> that one has Leo Getz. Whatever you want, Leo Getz. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 You never go in the drive-thru because they fuck you in the drive-thru. They know you won't be millions of miles away until you find out and you won't go back. Yeah, that's pretty I, good. I like in the fourth one, he's like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when uh, he's in the car and he sees like uh, Chris Rock in the back and he's like, yeah. uh, what's with the perp? <laughs> yeah, I'm always crazy. I like um, in Lethal Weapon 4, I can't believe there's four of them, but he's all like, when they're when they use the laughing gas on on Uncle Benny and he's like, I'm sleeping with my wife's two sisters. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Anyway, uh, this isn't geez. a lethal weapon podcast. It might as well be. <laughs> uh, what movie are we doing? We are doing Thelma and Louise, directed by Ridley Scott from 1991. This is a good movie. I like this movie. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. As crazy as that is, this is the first time I've ever seen it. This there's this period that you have missed, and I think this falls into that time period. What period is that? From I mean, from like 80, the late eighty-seven 80s. to ninety-two. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Maybe even uh, eighty-six, because you know you didn't you didn't see Big Trouble in Little China. Um, mm-hmm. there was a couple movies that we did that you had to watch. Uh. Maybe even as late as like ninety five, because like I know you didn't see like Quiz Show. Um, yeah, you know you missed a couple. Iron Eagle, that was one that you hadn't seen. So there's like a, there's a weird little window in time, and uh, this falls in that through that crack. That's true. But anyway, Thelma and Louise, great movie. It's got uh, 
It's got, uh, what do you call it there? Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis and Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, Christopher McDonald, all, all top stars. And Brad Pitt was like pretty much discovered in this movie. He had done some like uh, TV roles, including Growing Pains. And then um, then he got uh, he got discovered with that washboard abs and beautiful body. <laughs> and everyone's like, dude. Do you think he looks better in this movie or in Fight Club? Oh, I don't know. He's got like a like a roughness about him <laughs> <laughs> that some might find appealing in uh, the Fight Club, but uh, I mean, he's, he looks adorable in this one. He looks there's. I think you can be gross and sexy at the same time, and I think that's what um, Fight Club does for everyone. I mean, even like um, uh, Helen Bonham Carter, she's like this homeless junkie lady, and even she looks hot in that movie. All I know is he could steal my $6,700 and I'd be okay with it. So. Oh, man. <laughs> Life savings. I know. That was that was sad. Um, <clears throat> do you have the critical reception? I do. Are you ready for this? Can you handle this? I'm always ready for this. All right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Candace Russell from South Florida Sun Sentinel. That's fun. Uh, if director Scott intended to picture a growing sense of female triumph, he failed miserably. Wow. I don't know if that's entirely That's true, really interesting. <laughs> that's... Yeah. Coming from a female um, to a movie that was written by a female, um, that is an interesting take, to say the least. Right. Um, let's see here. The spirit of Thelma and Louise was one of freedom. Which still resonates today. That was by uh, Kiva Stratton from Rescue Australia. Hmm. I believe that. I, I get a real sense of freedom from this movie. I mean, she even says, uh, you, know, you wanted me to let my hair out or my hair down, and I'm I'm letting it all down. And I, I really get that vibe. Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely the shackles are, are broken for mm-hmm. both of them. Uh, more so more so Thelma, but you know, we can we can discuss that a little bit more. Why not? Gary Thompson from Philadelphia Daily News. Thelma and Louise has its own ending. It may be as questionable as the rest of the picture, but at least you know it wasn't spliced on by some guy in marketing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Jamie Graham from Total Film says, Female empowerment and gorgeous vistas from Ridley Scott. Yeah, that's some pretty cool shots. Yeah, they were pretty great. It made me want to take a road trip down to like Arizona or something. Oh. Not Oklahoma, though. <laughs> or Texas. Stay away they don't, from there. They don't go to Texas. <laughs> they, don't go, they don't go to Texas. <laughs> don't mess with Texas. Um, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Peter Rayner. I actually read his full review because this little snippet piqued my interest. Uh, he says he's from the Los Angeles Times. Uh, if the only way a woman can light up the screen these days is with a 38 caliber pistol, isn't that just another form of subordination? And I was like, what are you going on about, Peter? What's <laughs> It's always a Peter. <laughs> pistol Pete. I don't know what it is. But so I had to read his full review. It is available on the Rotten Tomatoes. But um, he was not buying into this movie and the portrayal of women in that. Uh, he even said that there wasn't a single sympathetic male in the movie. And what? I was like, oh, my God. This no guy. way. Holcomb. Inspector Holcomb. Yeah. So Harvey Keitel's character is definitely sympathetic. Um, and so it, I think even to a degree, Jimmy, Jimmy he is. Yeah. 
And I think um, I think Michael Madsen. Not JD. Uh, yeah, Michael Madsen. That's what I meant. I'm not JD. I meant Michael Madsen. Yeah, Jimmy. Um, you know, because he doesn't understand what she's going through. And he didn't screw her over necessarily. Like right. he, was, he was just lost and confused. He didn't want to lose her. So that's why he proposed to her and everything. And right. I mean, he, he, did, he probably did for the wrong her. reasons. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. But I, I felt definitely sympathetic to him. Uh, when, so w- when was that uh, review written? Do you know? Uh, well, I don't know when it was written per se. This was posted in. Oh, it was written in 1991, May 24th, 1991. So the weekend it came out. This was a May release, yeah. Something I want to talk about later. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, a couple fun little facts. So Ridley Scott was reportedly so amazed with Hans Zimmer, yeah, that Hans Zimmer who constantly works with Christopher Nolan, uh, was so amazed with Hans Zimmer's score that he created a main title sequence with Zimmer's music over it, rather than giving the main credits at the end as it was primarily planned. George Clooney auditioned five times for Ridley Scott for the part of JD, which was Brad Pitt. Uh, er, Clooney Clooney would later play (laughs) (laughs) Clooney would would later play a polite bank robber in Out of Sight with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah. That's in the same universe as uh, uh, Jackie Brown. Oh, because it has uh, Michael Keaton's character, right? Yeah. Ray Nicolette. So as of 2018, this is the last film to have two Best Actress Oscar nominations with both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis being nominated. They both lost to Jodie Jody Foster for her role in, Sil- in The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I know. That's a stacked category. So uh, Ridley Scott filmed a longer ending found on the special edition DVD in which the car is seen plunging into the canyon with a melancholy BB King song playing in the background. He opted for the more upbeat ending with the car frozen in descent and Hans Zimmer's score playing. I watched the um, alternate ending on YouTube. It's, it's bad. I, it, I think it completely strays from the, the tone of the film and it takes away from, from that melancholy ending and um, you know, well, or, or uplifting ending, however you want to look at it. But yeah, I, I think the way they ended it was good. Just kind of fade to white. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into this. I did not write this synopsis um, because I just I, I, I didn't I couldn't I don't I don't know. Anyways, so this was written by Harold Mayer on um, IMDb. Louis. So Louise is working in a diner as a waitress and has some problems with her boyfriend, Jimmy, <laughs> who, as a musician, is always on the road. Can I help you? <laughs> I was thinking of, I was working as a waitress in a cocktail. <laughs> so Thelma is married to Daryl, who likes his wife to stay quiet in the kitchen so that he can watch football on TV. One day, they decide to break out of their normal life and jump in the car and hit the road. Their journey, however, turns into a f- uh, flight. When Luis kills a man who threatens to rape Thelma, they decide to go to Mexico, but soon they are hunted by the American police. And that's the movie. Uh, yeah, a lot, a, a lot shorter than than uh, what I would I would typically write, but that's okay. Thank you, Harold yeah. Mayer. So yeah, let's just jump into this. Uh, when did you first see this movie? Uh, I saw it when I was eleven years old, nineteen ninety one. Did you see it in theaters? I did not. I saw it on home video. Ooh, on VHS. Yeah, it had just come out. What did you think of it? I loved it right away. Um, I was a kid. But uh, my mom saw it in the theater. She went with her friend and she came home. She's like, oh, my God, Justin, this movie was so good. And then when it came out on video, uh, I made sure to reserve it back when that was a thing. And uh, watched oh, yeah. it <laughs> and uh, enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. 
What did you love so much about it at 11? Because, I mean, shit, I was just more curious about what Pokemon cards I was going to get next when I was 11. Sure. So um, my parents are, were pretty liberal when it came to um, the cinema, and they were always putting me in front of movies and making me watch them and stuff. And and for me personally, I thought it was really cool to, like, um, how these two stuck together through thick and thin. And um, I really liked Harvey Keitel's character. It was really weird because we know that he's a good guy and that he has their best interest. Um, but they don't, you know, like she, she, they have no reason to believe that he would ever help them, but it was something about him being like this nice policeman that I really liked. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but it, it's true. It's like, it was so, I, I loved Harvey Keitel in that movie. And I, after that, I saw every movie that he ever made. He's pretty great. Yeah. He's cool. Well, and, and you know, and that's it, interesting because, why would they why would they trust him he's he's a man and all the men that that they've met on their journey and in their lives are pieces of shit honestly and so i don't blame them for not trusting him but you know he even says it like at the end he's like these girls deserve a chance like you need to you need to lower the guns because these girls deserve a chance and um but i i think i think for them it wasn't I mean, I, I can't speak for them but i always just interpreted it as he's a policeman and they want to police want to bring justice. So I don't think that uh, it wasn't so much him just being a man. It was that he was a cop, a cop and that there's no way he would believe them. That's the way I interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. I mean, how, so my first viewing, like I said, was last night and uh, I liked it. Um, I don't think I was blown away by it, but I did like it. Uh, I like the sweeping landscapes like we were talking about. I really like uh, the the main two actors, um, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. I think that they were fantastic. I liked all the supporting characters and how they portrayed sometimes a little over the top, but maybe maybe not. Maybe pretty authentic. And, you know, it had parts that were hard to watch, but it was also kind of like liberating for for these for these gals. And then the ending was sad and the whole movie was just sad in my opinion. <laughs> it, it like it it almost brought me to tears at the end cuz it just I felt so bad, you know. But um also men are assholes pretty much. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a, a generalization obviously, but um yeah, it's uh it's really interesting and I'm 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 curious to discuss this with you like about uh what this movie maybe did for women's rights and the the me too movement and such things like that during the the 90s and the 2000s um and so yeah i mean here sure. we're just, well i mean yeah. i mean i can tell you right now that uh, first off i can't even begin to know what it's like to be a woman and deal with the world through a woman's eyes i'm just not capable of doing that because i'm a man and i know that my mom is a very strong woman and my two sisters are both super mega smart and both very independent women and very strong. And they were like role models for me. And um, I I have some experience in the way that Thelma was treated with uh, her husband. Um, you know, there's these, she was in this one relationship her entire life, her entire adult life. Um, she was never given any choices, never given um, any options uh, she was yelled at. She was verbally abused. And when she had an ounce of freedom on this weekend, it was a series of bad choices. Um, she made a lot of them. Uh, but that was all something that most of us learn like at an early age or just when we're younger. 
I think it's important to make mistakes and to learn from them. Um, it just sucks that she was making all these mistakes one right after another <laughs> in this movie. And I'm extremely sympathetic to her because I have seen that happen to where someone has been in a relationship for a really long time and they never had any freedom and then they got divorced and then they started making some interesting choices, going out to the club all the time, going on uh, a lot of dates, meeting a lot of different people, all good things. It's just it ended up being a bit much and there were um, some bad things happened. And so I could totally see this happening in real life. Like as I'm as watching this movie as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so and so in my life. <laughs> right. And it's really, really crazy. And and I I just know that me personally, I have no idea what it, it means to be a woman and the horribleness that goes through the day to day, whether it's walking to work, riding a bus, riding a train, working with someone in an office. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be said and done towards females and it's terrible. And most people just turn a blind eye or don't even care. And that's really, really sad. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, so that, that, that scene, the, I mean, I guess what would you call that? The, the start of the entire plot of the film where Harlan uh, sexually assaults Thelma, it was a hard scene to watch. It was really hard to watch. Um, but I think Ridley Scott presented it in a, he presented it that way for a reason where this kind of, you know, shock and awe factor where everything seemed like it was, it was going to be okay. Cause you know, they're all dancing, having fun. Um, but me knowing what I know about films and, and, and the real world and how this kind of stuff happens, I was just anticipating something bad to happen. I didn't necessarily expect it to happen right there, but I was anticipating something bad to happen. Like I know how men are and why we get such a bad rap and deservedly. So, uh, and, and Harlan deserved what he got. Do you think, though, Justin, do you think that men watching this movie in 1991 like that? Uh, I forgot that guy's name from the L.A. Times or whatever. Do you think that men watching this movie in 1991 would have would have expected Harlan to sexually assault Thelma after they just got done dancing and stuff? Um, I don't know, but I feel like. Because uh, men are pretty we're pretty dumb. Um, I don't know if, <laughs> if they if they were expecting it, but I, I bet you most women that were watching this believed it as soon like knew what was happening like oh my god this guy's trouble as soon as he sat down mm-hmm. i think i think as soon as he sat down they knew it was trouble um versus us who are just like oh yeah just trying to get to know some females you know and say what's up <laughs> i thought i thought that he drugged them when he bought them um drinks i thought he drugged them and that's why i was like oh shit Maybe like if if that were the case where he brought the drinks over, but it was the it's server true. that it was the home. server. That's true. You know, and, and scary... who recognized his behavior? She knew that he was a cad. She <laughs> okay. she was even under the impression that um, he was either an angry uh, husband or an ex female that he had wronged in some way that would have murdered him. Yeah, because she knows who he is as a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And the scary shit about this is, is this movie came out in 1991 and, mm-hmm. you know, Luis was right when she was telling Thelma when like they were in the hotel room shortly after that. And Thelma's like, well, why don't we just go to the police? Luis is like, who's going to believe you, Thelma? You were dancing with him all night. You guys look like you were having a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to believe we you? don't live in that kind of world, Thelma. I know. <laughs> it's, one my, it's one of my favorite lines. And, and I mean, this is almost 30 years ago. And, and that's still true to this day. It's like, well, what, what were you wearing? What did you mm-hmm. do to provoke him? It's like, dude, yeah. come on. 
Well, and it just, and it broke my damn, broke my damn heart, you know, because the doubting these sexual assault victims, their allegations, it's still going on in this country and movies like this, uh, the accused with Jodie Foster and um, Kelly McGinnis and North country with Charlize Theron. You know, I'm shocked that people still doubt victims allegations right now. It's as hard as that part was to watch, I think it was important to bring these issues to light, especially in 1991. I just really wish it would have gone further than than what we've had for the past 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that I mean, it was an intense scene. It, it was very hard to watch. And I mean, shit, I've seen like, you know, the hills have eyes and stuff. And this right. was probably more intense for me right now. That, I, this was weird. <laughs> that is... Um... That was a hardcore scene, though. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. I'm not, under, I'm not underplaying it at all. Yeah, sorry. I'm yeah, not trying no, to downplay I know, it. I know. It's, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. It's always hard to watch. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I think being a quote-unquote woke male in, in 2020 right now, um, yeah, I just was like, oh, God. Not not Dottie Hinson. Is it Hinson? Did we agree it was Hinson? <laughs> it is Hinson, yeah. Yeah. Gina Davis is a saint. She's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that being said, do you think that they should have gone to the police that Thelma and Luis maybe should have gone to the police? Well, um, there was probably no physical evidence on um, Thelma. So uh-huh. I don't know how that would have turned out. I mean, I think a rational reason would say well, a rational person would say, yes, go to the police. You were attacked. It was self-defense. But. Um, I do 100% agree with in the moment what Luis is saying by, you know, everyone saw you dancing with him. You were drinking, uh, you were drunk, you went outside because you were dizzy, um, you know, and, and someone could make the argument, especially in this, this hillbilly backwood place that uh, the guy was, you know, murdered and they wouldn't even listen to the story especially without any physical evidence because he was beginning to rape her. He didn't like he like finished or anything like that. Uh, she did have some bruises on her cause he started smacking her pretty early, but you know, who knows what these police officers would have said or done. But I mean, someone that has not been a victim of something like this, then I, me personally, I would be like, yeah, go to the police, but I can't imagine that I'm right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I think that the re- the whole point of this was to show that they don't have any options. They don't have any choices. Do you think that nowadays, if this happened in 2020, if this movie is filmed in 2020, should they have gone to the police? I, d- I don't think that. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it works that way. I, I still think that uh, no one would believe them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It's it's just it's it's hard to say nowadays. Um, and, and I think your location obviously depends on it too. Like where were they in Arkansas when this happened or was it like Oklahoma maybe? I think it just depends on who, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be hillbilly. It could be someone that maybe when you go to the police, that person might very well be a, a criminal as well. You know, like they, who know? I mean, there's so many different police officers that have, you read the stories about a police officer attacking uh, a female or raping a female or someone like a, a suspect or someone that they have in custody. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine that was uh, pulled over for drunk driving and she was sexually assaulted by the guards at the jail. And I mean, there's no, no excuses for her behavior. Um, but I mean, even 
at a jail before she's even processed like with like inside the with the the inmates you know the people that are there overnight that are that are in trouble it was actually police officers that were assaulting her crazy right yeah i don't like that so so i mean one bit i mean do you really want to go to the cops when you don't even know if they're good or not what if what if what if one of these police officers was harlan's like fishing buddy or whatever well, and and uh, Holcomb seemed chummy with the waitress too. Like he knew. Yeah, like they all knew each other. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's yeah. It was sad, man. Oh, I was just gonna say, like that's the thing, right? Like with um, with with uh, victims is, it's people are always gonna doubt them, and if they don't tell the if they don't come forward right away, then people doubt them, and it's like. It's not your story to tell. It is the victim's story, and they will tell you whenever they are good and ready. It could be it could be in five minutes, it could be in five years, it could be in fifty years. Um, even Susan Sarandon's character, she was assaulted in Texas at a very young age, and so much time has passed, and she's still not even comfortable talking to her very best friend in the entire world about it. We don't even get that story because it's not our story. It's it's her story to tell, and I, I find that fascinating. Do you know what really made me sad about that was the more I thought about it, like today, if you think about it, they would have gotten away with murder if they had just driven through Texas. But but Texas was so traumatic to Luis that she just couldn't find the strength to do it. And that broke my heart because it's it's like that one you know, Texas is a giant state and they had to go around it and they mm-hmm. you know spent a couple extra days traveling. They could have been to Mexico and gotten away scot free and you know maybe had their their $6700 and didn't have to rob a bank and didn't have to go on all these uh crime sprees, but it was so traumatic to her for for, for like going through Texas to just brought up too many bad memories and uh it was just really it was really awful. Yeah, absolutely. So Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were two relatively bigger stars in 1991. Is that accurate? Yeah, of course. Could this movie have worked as well if they cast two unknowns? Um, Maybe, but I mean, their performances were so good that, I mean, they both got Academy nominations. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. Totally. And deservedly so. They were just fantastic. I... I don't think I've seen anything bad from Susan Sarandon. Uh, Gina Davis, I haven't seen a lot that I can really think of. Honestly, <laughs> I don't even know what she's up to these days. I don't know either. She's she's uh, she does voice acting. Oh, she was in Glow. She was in Glow. The um... oh, I didn't watch Glow. Yeah, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. So I think this may have worked with two random unknowns. I just don't think it would have been as big and as epic. It's it's a heavy movie for maybe two kind of relatively unknowns. And I mean, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are they they draw people to it. You know, they're they're marquee names. Sure. So uh, so after they met J.D., uh, when he was asking for a ride from Thelma and then Luis came out with a piece of licorice and she's like, nah, sorry, can't give you a ride. And then they back up really fast into the gas station. Did you see the random guy in the background, the really buff guy working out? Yeah, working what, out. What, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, I almost snapped you. It's so funny. I literally almost I almost recorded that. I was like, oh, man, I hope he sees this. But then I, the remote was like out of my, my range. So I was like, ah, fuck it. I don't care. But I, I thought it was so funny. He's like so jacked. That guy probably weighs like 300 pounds. He's so big. Holy what was the shit. point of that? Like, it, it, 
all right, well, the shot's great, but we need we need a really, really buff guy in the background working out. Like, that's my Ridley Scott. But yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know, but I loved every second of that. I was like, that is awesome. That was so weird. That's what you call sucking up local color, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, the, I am going to have a gripe about this movie. All right. So here's, here, here's my gripe. I didn't like how everything was so convenient for the police. The the timeline of this movie is odd. I shouldn't say the timeline, but the passage of time, put it that way, how how the police, you know, they they found the convenience store robbery video and then they they found Jimmy. They found arrested JD and had Daryl there at the police department and then they went to like Luis's residence. This is this all isn't in order. I'm just more um, spitting out what I remembered. Mm-hmm. All that stuff happened incredibly fast, especially if it was supposed to be like two or three days. All that stuff happened so fast and it just didn't work for me. I'm like, how did they get JD? Where the hell did he go? And how did they, how did he find Lu- Luis's address? Well, well, he found, so it was the, the registration, like the car, um, the, the car was the big clue because not too many people have a 60s T-Bird. Um, then, when he went to uh, Luis's work, he was able to talk to the manager. And they were obviously really good friends because she was going to be using his cabin. Um, you know, so he knew everything about her. He would know who her spouse was or boyfriend or whatever. Um, and then when they found out what the car was, then they put an APB out, you know, statewide um, to uh, get a location. So when the surveillance tapes would have shown the car, or the robbery, and then they would have been able to figure out the car, and then that, that's probably why. I mean, it's Hollywood for one thing, but I have a I have a feeling that the car is ultimately is like the the main prize there to where link the car to everything. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't like try to steal a car with everything that they did. I was like, why don't they just steal a car? Yeah, that's way too high profile of a car. Everyone turns their head at a mm-hmm. muscle car, let alone like a 60s T-Bird convertible with two women yeah. driving it. With yeah, convertible. <laughs> so, that was that was one of my gripes. I'm like, "Oh, this is all a little too convenient. This is very kind of like, I don't know, Deus Ex Machina, I should say." <laughs> Maybe Harvey Keitel's just a really good He's the wolf. Up. He can do shit. He gets shit yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> um, I really did love how shitty Daryl was. Not, I'm not condoning his actions. I just, I, I think that Christopher McDonald did a really good job of making him a, a piece of shit and just a doofus. And he, yeah, like when he falls <laughs> in the front yard, <laughs> he's like, that, that wasn't scripted. Apparently, <laughs> apparently he really fell and really Scott liked it. So he's like, yeah, let's leave it in there. So that's oh, so great. He's like, I want you out of here by four, no three. <laughs> he was, he was a doofus. <laughs> I just, you know, and um, and so, yeah, he got what he deserved. and It was cool when Thelma told him to, like, fuck off, basically. So, yeah, it's like a used car sale. Well, he's a regional manager, though. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. You're not the regional manager. And I, oh, he's so great. Um, So in, in the movie, so there's a lot of and we can talk about the liberation. Thelma is this, you know, reserved, quiet housewife, and she doesn't really speak her mind. Whereas Luis is, is more opposite of that. But what do you think is the biggest turning point in the, for the gals in this movie? Like where they flipped it, flipped the script basically. When the money is stolen, um, Susan Sarandon, Luis has like a total meltdown when, um, all of her life savings is gone. She looks at that as this is the end of the world. That was our only chance. And then Gina Davis 
um, immediately flips the switch and takes charge. She's the one that throws her in the car. She's the one that goes and uh, robs the convenience store and then um, puts them back on track. I think that's the moment. I yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I can see that I, I wrote down when they subdue the cop and that's only because so they're on the lamb and they're running and whatever. But I think that that was the most. I thought you. I thought you were asking when they swapped roles. Not no, when no, no, they, no. Not when they became liberated in the sense. I thought you were going to put that on hold. I apologize. If it's a matter of when they were going to just finally decide that they are going to be outlaws, it was in fact after the the robbery. But then when uh, even Luis was still kind of like scared at that point because um, she was like, you know, grab his gun. Shoot the radio. She shoots her like radio, the, right? Or the car radio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot the car radio. She's like the police radio, <laughs> Louise. And then she shoots the police because she's, she's, that's still so new to her. And then, um, once they do that, then it's dealing with that ugly, gross truck driver guy. And then, you know, they have like their real moment, like, hey, they're fucking Bonnie and Clyde at this point. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Thelma goes from damsel in distress to take charge once the money is stolen. And then they both sort of just embrace this lifestyle after they lock the police officer in the trunk. So that's, I mean, that's what, that's kind of what I thought. So I think we're on the same page. I mean, I, I get, I know exactly what you're saying though, too, where that was the first time we saw Luis just kind of break down and she was like, no, it's not going to be okay. And Thelma kind of had to grab the bull by the horns and, you know, right. uh, so real quick, sixty seven hundred dollars in nineteen ninety one uh, converts roughly to about twelve thousand seven hundred dollars nowadays. So good, a uh, good chunk of cheddar cheese there. So that's good. Um, what else I got? So yeah, we we talked about Inspector Holcomb. Uh, do you think he was one of the good ones? I do. I think if 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 I were a police officer, I would be Holcomb. You can be my Holcomb. Mm, I can't even spell Holcomb. <laughs> is that like H-O-L-C-O-L-M-B? No. How do you spell Holcomb? H-O-L-C-O-M-B-E. Ah. Holcombe. How? <laughs> how? How can I tell? <laughs> Comb. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he was good. And, it, you know, I, I, it sucked at the end when he's like, these girls deserve a chance. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, he is a good guy. Like, he understands, you know, they... They've been dealt a shitty hand and no one's believing him. I can't remember the line exactly, but he says something along the lines of, yeah, these girls deserve a chance or, you know, they deserve a chance for someone to believe them. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I really felt, felt bad and I felt like he had good intentions. I mean, his, his chief or whatever didn't want him to come along. His Lieutenant didn't want him to that come was, along. That was the FBI guy. I think. Oh, okay. Cause they got the FBI involved. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm going there. So, you, yeah. you know, in, in, him chasing after them. You, you, you kind of wanted him to, to stop them and the ending to be happily ever after. But that's not how this happens. Not in the cards. And I do. You know, they even give um, Christopher McDonald, uh, Daryl. They give him an opportunity to, like, you know, what's your relationship like with your wife? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't want um, her to pick up the phone and know that something's off. Mm-hmm. And he should have answered the phone like. Like, you know, you F and C word, get your ass home kind of thing like he would normally would do. But instead, he's like, hey, <laughs> how's it going, Thelma? And uh, she she knew in, in a half a second that the police 
were involved. And just hung up. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh, God, that was funny. I, I really liked that a lot. Uh, how did you feel about Thelma and Louise throughout the movie? And And what I mean is, were you joyful for their liberation? Like, yeah, like, get it, girls. Or were you just like, man, I'm just, I feel so sad for them. Or were you just angry at them or what? So, I mean, 11-year-old Justin, you know, I only had, you know, I had my older sisters and I had my mom. And I, I think that I liked them from start to finish. Like, I was always really happy for them. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was sad at the beginning. Um, but once they were on the run, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. You go get them. Because everyone that they're hurting or, or stopping is, you know, in not just in their way, but a terrible person. So I was always kind of rooting for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And wait, did that change now? No, no, not at all. I mean, I've seen this movie at least 20 times. I, I watch it every time it's on. So, I mean, I've I over the course of my near 40 years, I have I have seen this movie plenty of times and I still enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. And you know, what's interesting is that um, uh, Callie Corey, uh, the lady that wrote it, mm-hmm. uh, she I found a really fun quote from her where she uh, like on the ending uh, she says, it always struck me as preposterous that uh, people saw it as suicide. I don't even think of them as dead. I was just, I wasn't any way prepared for people to say that. Like, God, they killed themselves? What kind of message is that? Uh, I want to say it's a message that you came up with, not me. To me, the ending was symbolic, not literal. I mean, come on, read a book. We did everything <laughs> possible to make sure you didn't see a literal death. Uh, that you didn't see the car land. You didn't see a big puff of smoke come out of the canyon, you were left with an image of them flying. They flew away out of this world and into mass unconsciousness. Uh, Women who are completely free from all of the shackles that restrain them have no place in this world. The world is not big enough to support them. They will be brought down if they stay here. They weren't going to be brought down, so let them go. I love that ending, and I love the imagery. After all they went through, I didn't want anybody to be able to touch them. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, she says, okay, listen then. Let's not get caught. What are you talking about? Let's keep going. What do you mean? Go. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought the ending was beautiful. I I didn't look at it as, oh, they're just killing themselves. It's, it's literally they can either live and, and, and go as captives and in prison and whatever, or they can die free and, you know, I thought that I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was very morose, but but I like how it was tastefully ended and the music was good. They held hands as they go down. You know, they're, they're like, we're doing this together. Uh, that nice little touch of the the Polaroid picture of them flying out of the back. Um, yeah, it just was. And and it shows their trip, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like you got the, you know, you get to see like what brought them to this moment. You know, like once they fly off and then it kind of shows like the music's playing Then it shows them take the picture and getting ready and their their adventures, the wacky mayhem that ensued. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was sad, even though I knew it wasn't the movie was like a big liberation movement for them. I just I, I felt sad for what happened to them and how poorly they were treated. It, it seemed like they resorted to crime and alcohol as a result of, of their traumatic experiences. Because when Thelma was buying all that booze, you know, I, I think I feel like she was just drinking to mask some of the pain, which that, that was a <laughs> yeah, bummer, I think, dude. 
Yeah, she was trying to, she obviously had to learn how to deal, yeah. right? I mean, who has been in that situation? Uh, n- not us. <laughs> so we all, we all deal with, with grief and stress and, and horror in our own ways. And maybe, maybe it was something as simple as, you know, um, because it's a single serving kind of thing. Like, you know, I'll just take it as I go versus, you know, drowning herself in a giant bottle. You know, it could have just been, she wasn't thinking clearly and just was buying all the little ones. But I mean, I wonder if that's, that's the allegory that he was, that he was thinking of then. Cause when he's like, would you like the economy bottle instead? <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, no, it's good. Just fucking ring it up, man. Where's the where's they turn off the commentary, man? Just ring me up. What the fuck? Got a whole lot of mums. Yeah. <laughs> you chew it. <laughs> you chew it. Um, <laughs> I really did like when they were watching the the robbery video and she basically steals JD's line that he does when, yeah, he, when he robs people and she's like, and put two bottles of wild turkey in there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. So yeah. it was uh, you know, they're they're badass women i mean both beautiful absolutely beautiful i did not realize how gorgeous gina davis was i again i've only seen her in uh, a league of their own i haven't seen the fly beetlejuice oh yeah beetlejuice but even that she's like she's really pretty but i just i would i didn't look at her like this and um yeah she's beautiful and i really did like how they like their whole appearance changed with their clothing and everything and then how they both well uh thelma started smoking it just was they were on the same page and they had this real good bond. Yeah. You haven't you haven't seen the fly? That's your buddy Cronenberg. I know, but it so I get weird with gross out horror. Um I think I could watch it now. I just I've seen parts of it and uh, I do like Cronenberg Cro- a lot. It's it's pretty nasty. He's got like some vomiting moments and that's yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> and then he's got he's got like oh he's pulling his nails off his Ugh. his hand. I don't like it. <laughs> it's pretty gross, dude. I, I forgot how gross it was. I had it on on VHS cassette when I was a kid. Ooh, just a blow on it. Yeah, you know Felix. Felix had never seen it, and so I, I picked it up on on the Reg Ray, not on Blu-ray. I think I got it on Reg Ray because it was like four bucks. What did he think? I don't think he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it's it's pretty gross. It has uh, it has some moments. Although in the sequel, when when. They're they're talking over the events that transpired in the first one. Um, the 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 boyfriend that, that the jealous boyfriend, he's like, well, he bugged me. <laughs> <Which is kind of funny. laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty Yikes. funny. This is the final thing I'll say on this. Uh, who would you be? Would you consider you Thelma and me Luis, or would it be the other way around? Um, I think I am more of a Thelma than a Luis. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take that back. I am more of a Luis. I'm more of a Susan Sarand, um, than I am a Thelma. Yeah. I have, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I have a lot of experience (laughs) under (laughs) my belt. I have, I have old tired eyes and I have seen (laughs) a lot of bad things and I have done, I have made a lot of mistakes and I have learned from them though. Um, I think I am definitely more of a Luis and like when push comes to shove, I, I am a take charge kind of guy. I, I won't, I won't stand by and wait for someone to figure something out. I will, I will make my choices. I will make my bed and lie in it. And there will be no wrinkles on those sheets either. Cause I make a fucking mean bed. <laughs> 
fitted sheet and flat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> and down and comforter, comforter on top. <laughs> like 32 pillows. 900 thread count Egyptian cotton. Yeah, definitely a Louis. Uh, Thelma would drive me crazy. I I don't. I would. I don't know. I, I don't even know if I'd be a good Louise. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? Why don't you just, uh, I'm going to go out for a pack of smokes. I'll be right back. <laughs> cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Yeah. I don't know, man. Because, like, uh, I don't, uh, I, I want to have the patience and I want to be a better person when it comes to that sort of thing, but I would struggle. I would be like, like, the Lord is testing me right now. <laughs> um, and I'm not even a religious person, but I would just have to just be like rubbing my head. You remember like those old Saturday Night Live skits where like um, uh, uh, Phil Hartman was playing Donahue. Yeah. And he's talking to his audience and he just starts beating his head with his microphone <laughs> because he just can't believe that this is what life has come yeah, to. Yeah. I would totally be doing that. I'd be like, oh my God, fucking Thelma, just get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally be, I would, I would be a much more impatient Luis. <laughs> All right. What about you? Who are you? Oh, I'm, I, 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 I mean, I, I can see myself in both, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm probably more of a Thelma right now. I'm a people pleaser, and I think that can be a, a fault at times. Um, and there is a, a decent amount of stuff in the world that I don't know about. But I am also a Luis in that sense where I, I am assertive and I take charge and I don't take no shit from no one. I shoot first and ask stick questions later. Yeah, <laughs> stick them up. That's what I tell that fucker Harlan. I go, stick them up. And then I just shoot first and be like, oh, what was he doing? Like, yeah, right, yeah. right in your fucking face. So, yeah, um, go spit. I know, right? Go pound, <laughs> go pound that sand. Pound sand. <laughs> Anyhow, you got anything else, Dad? I don't think so. Other than I just I love this movie and um, freaking uh, Ridley Scott has made some pretty good movies over the course of his career. There's been some bad ones, some misses, but uh, I I uh, I rank this one pretty GD high. I like this one a lot. You know, it's funny because I didn't even know Ridley Scott directed this uh, until you told me when we uh, on our last podcast when we were discussing it. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, he is responsible for some of the greatest top 100 films of all time. And he's up there as one of my favorites. So really cool. I'm glad I watched it. Well, what's your letter grade then? For this movie? Oh, I give this movie an A, man. I, I fucking love this movie. I think it's fantastic from start to finish. Cool. Um, I give it a B plus. I I can't commit to the A just because there was some parts there were some parts when I was kind of like eh. but other what? other what, than that what parts I don't know I mean I, I forgot about it that's, Ain't that's a no lie. parts <laughs> uh, I really I really liked it no I really liked the movie a lot I I enjoyed it and I think my my favorite thing was the chemistry between the two of them they were just so freaking amazing so yeah so it's it's high up there I'm glad we watched it that was uh, it was good for me yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. You should go see it. You should definitely go see it. It's available on Vudu with ads. Uh, the ads aren't that bad. There was probably maybe ten of them when I was watching it. So yeah, I don't even remember that many because I watched it the same way, Vudu with ads. But I don't remember a lot. I yeah, thought it was pretty chill. They were like 15, you know, speaking of which, to thirty seconds. I watched um, uh, Better Call Saul. I'm I'm really into that show. I need to get. And I need the, to get into that. So the penultimate episode of season five is just aired on Monday and it's like a 90 minute recording. I was like, what the hell? That's a long time. 
And that's because it's only it's like a hundred and like I mean it's really only like an hour and five minutes, but there were so many commercial breaks, I was just ready to throw my TV out the gut dang window. <laughs> and I'm able to fast forward <laughs> through them. It was just driving me because it takes you out of it. Right. Like you're into it, you're immersed. And then there's some commercial that is 50 billion decibels louder than the show that you're watching. And it's so jarring and so annoying. And I freaking hate it. And, and it makes me mad. <laughs> Don't be crazy, Justin. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm crazy. I am a wild and a crazy guy. And I'm, I'm upset. <laughs> I'm pissed off. That's what I am. I'm gonna. I, I need to probably jump onto that Better Call Saul train. I heard it's uh, it's really good, and I'm I'm Did behind. You watch Breaking Bad. Uh, what's that? Just kidding. Yes, yeah. I love I love Breaking Bad. So I know I, uh, I've heard I've heard Better Call Saul is arguably better than Breaking Bad. So. I like it a lot. Pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll have to watch it then. I like Bob Odenkirk a lot. So, um, and I do just want uh, real quick. I want to plug. Um, the Geek Legacy podcast is Woo. coming back, and I'm very excited about that. Um, it has been it's been a year. Uh, we our last episode was when Game of Thrones ended, and Ooh. we had a lot to say about it. <laughs> and and we all went and dug holes and sat in them for a year and <laughs> thought about how things went down. And um, and now now we're back, and um, we're just dealing with some formatting issues on on how we want the show to 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 continue but it is definitely coming back we're very excited and we cannot wait to to uh be reunited and it feels so good i'm excited man i already got my my t-shirt my hat ready the geek legacy hat i got my geek legacy energy drink uh, especially licensed yes yeah I'm, I'm, yeah I'm ready man i'm gonna have a listening party with, with all my friends <laughs> we're gonna sit six feet away from each other but we're gonna listen there you go i'm yeah i'm and excited that's another thing we're all we're all in southern california again so we'll all be able to sit around the table and and like the the old days and 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 enjoy each other's company once all this horrible goes away. It'll be fun to, to be recording in the same room again. And I'm very, very excited. Hell and I cannot wait. Yeah. I'm excited too, man. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, we're pumped. Our, our podcasting journey began 10 years ago. 10? And we took this... 10! Um, and we took this last year off. But I am so excited to make a, a triumphant return. So... If you haven't already, most of you probably are that listen to this show. Uh, subscribe to the Geek Legacy podcast, and it's going to be amazing, and we shall be back soon. About a year ago, Justin was Thelma, who was married to Christopher McDonald. And now he's, <laughs> Thelma, now he's Thelma, who's blowing up uh, oil rig truckers and whatnot, yeah. smoking like, cigarettes. <laughs> that guy was so funny. He's like, Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you want to suck my uh, dick? Like, oh uh, my he's, god! He's what the a worst! What a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And even like the the helicopter pilot guy's like, you know, some crazy dude running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the cop that was in the trunk, and he's like, "Help! The keys are over there." And the guy just smoking a blunt, a spliff, <laughs> yeah. just like blows it in there. <laughs> yeah, the Rastafari. Yeah, that, that was weird. great. Yeah, but anyhow. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, remember to follow us and uh, Geek Legacy on Twitter at, is it at geeklegacy.com? Just Geek Legacy? It, well, just at Geek Legacy. At Geek Legacy. .com. What am I saying? At Geek Legacy. <laughs> at DB Crazy Pod. At Edgy Armo. And at Zach Dale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Please send us movie suggestions. 
Uh, we love movies and we love to watch them, especially ones with Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. Thank you very much. Um, I will not watch The Fly, though, until, I, uh, until I'm a grown-up. So. But, you know, you can even tell us... Oh, I just said that. I'm stupid. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.